Hey there. Welcome to Coffee with the Docs. We are a holistic lifestyle podcast where we give integrative solutions and bring brilliant experts to help you thrive. Mind, body, and spirit. We are doctors Nicole Huffman and Abby Kramer, and we're so happy you're here. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee with the Docs. Today we have another kind of different episode. We've been doing tons of health and wellness stuff recently, and I got to interview one of my good friends, Erin Coop, today. And she has her own consulting business and helps corporations and businesses bring mindfulness uh, to their employees and their teams. So it's really cool. Yeah, I thought it was great. One, I really liked that she drinks out of this copper water bottle. What's that all about? I know, right? Has she showed it to you? I mean, I don't want to spoil it. Um, yes. I have spoil seen it. what? Why are you spoiling? Well, I don't want to like ruin her biohack. She's going to talk about it in the episode. Yeah, but I mean, like, where do you even get one from? I know it has to be like legit yeah. too. I'll have to ask her. I'll have her send it to me and we can link it in the show notes, guys. <laughs> Because I know she did a lot of research because I think a lot of them are like fake or not good or whatever. Um, I did not even know that was a thing. She's all about it. Also, I love, I think, you know, it's interesting when we interview a lot of like entrepreneurs and you guys touched on this too, where it's like, you're like in this soul sucking corporate world or you're like this Mm -hmm. free entrepreneurial spirit and I like how she really didn't dog on the corporate world at all and Mm -hmm. if anything she was like it just needs to be like changed a little bit and that's not like the best word but like like switched around you know like like even better guidelines and that's a better word (laughs) have more balance yeah 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 oh boy but yeah I love that too because I do think there's kind of this perception from people like if you're brave enough or if you're really following your passion, you wouldn't be in corporate America or you would be like pursuing your dreams or whatever. And it's like, you know what? Some people corporate works for them and they're great at it. And it's like the gives majority them stability and, and who cares, yeah. but there's also a way you can do it and like have these amazing tools and be more balanced. Totally. I mean, the I think the, like the majority of America is in corporate America. And I right. think that, it's, I just like how she was able to even shift so much within herself while still having her corporate gig. Mm-hmm. And now she still works with corporations. So it's not like you can't reach your like evolved self while yes. having a corporate job. Yes. You know, I mean, so I don't know. I just like that she kind of gave a different perspective from it and an encouraging one. So anybody who does have a corporate job, whether you love it or hate it, it doesn't mean that like you can't still shift and change and learn. And I love how she said like, and that was my spo- my soul speaking. And I don't know, you can still develop all of that corporation and it might just look different, like who you're interacting with. And mm-hmm. like, like she said, like she stopped gossiping and like doing things that she felt weren't in alignment with her anymore, but it didn't mean she had to quit her job. Totally. And I think for people in corporate and people in management, et cetera, 
like if if everyone has access to these tools to be more mindful and less reactive and you know just like the best versions of themselves how about like corporate america could completely shift yeah if the people that are leading it are you know involved in these practices and stuff and i really think it's the way things are going yeah i think so too and I like how she breaks down emotions and she kind of tells you like how you would talk to your children about them and give them like a lot of it is just giving your emotion um, like a voice and like acknowledging that it's there and not pushing it down. And I used to do when I worked with um, Andy Swindler, he would do like parts work, like talking to different parts of you that Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different really cool practices with that. But I think it's once you're able to acknowledge something and give it a voice, it's amazing how it shifts in your body. Yeah. And so like that not for make me it was wrong, a good reminder. Right? Or like judge what you're feeling. Like yeah. I shouldn't feel mad at this person. It's like you can honor that you feel that way and let yourself feel it. You just don't have to get stuck on it. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's a lot of really good takeaways. Totally. And for all you guys who maybe feel like in your job right now or just in life are dealing with stress and could use a little chill out, um, we wanted to share with you one of our partners, Vervita products. They make amazing nutritional supplements as well as essential oil blends. Um, a couple of my favorites for stress relief is the supplement Calms is amazing to just help keep you more even keel. It can also help with sleep. And the oil blend called present moment, because it does just that and helps keep you present. So for those of you with like busy brains that can't shut off, that's a great tool. Yeah, definitely. And also anyone who's dealing with like a little bit of sleep disturbance or having a hard time falling asleep. I love Inspiracel for that one. Mm -hmm. You have to have energy to sleep. And that one quite literally inspires the cell, whether it's to sleep or have energy the next day or both. So you can use our code COFFEE, all capitals, um, at vervitaproducts.com and you'll save on shipping, I believe. So mm-hmm. try them out as always. If you're loving what you're hearing, share it with a friend, you know, share it with a family member, someone that you think would love it as well. And please leave us a review. Alrighty. Enjoy the episode, guys. All right, everyone, welcome back to Coffee with the Docs podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have the wonderful Erin Coupon. Thank you, Abby. I'm so happy to be here. Of course, we're so happy to have you. Um, So to get started, I'd love for you to just give a quick, like a brief intro to who you are and what you do before we delve in. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So Erin Coop, as you said, I own a company called Authentically AC. And I started the company early this year after I resigned from uh, 17 years in corporate. And really, um, I started it because I realized my purpose in life. And that is to uh, teach and guide people how to connect with their most authentic, empowered, and mindful self. Um, And we can get into the details of how I do that, but that is the crux of uh, my mission on this planet. I love it. Thank you. And we will definitely get more into your story in a moment, but we start all of our interviews. We ask all of our guests the same two questions. So the first question is, what are you drinking or what's your current like favorite drink of choice? And the second question is, what is your latest biohack? 
Yeah. So I just finished my cup of coffee with my nut pod creamer. Um, Mm -hmm. So bulletproof coffee only and always the mentalists Mm -hmm. and the original are my favorite Mm -hmm. um, with my nut pods. And that is like my, my go-to. It's your thing. It's my thing. And in the morning I put um, MCT oil in there as well. Yeah. um, Which is just, I just love it. And it keeps me really satiated. Um, But my latest biohack, and I think I may have shared this one with you not long ago when we were just chatting. Mm-hmm. I, I bought one of these copper water bottles. Um, yeah. oh, mine yeah. happens to be Barigora, but there's a lot out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of fakes, but this is a real one. Yeah. And I put water in the water bottle before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. And then I literally, it's like 35 ounces and I chug it first thing in the morning within five minutes of waking up. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love to do is if it's sunny, I just, I sit and like basically stare at the sun, like eyes closed right? and drink my water and it just and drink your copper water and drink my copper water. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like, <laughs> totally. I swear it's like, it's like liquid energy. It just energizes. That's me awesome. Far more than coffee does. And wow. you know, it's amazing. All right. Done. Copper water bottle. Find yeah. a real one. Okay. So I'd love to start with your story so our people can get to know you and like the arc of your journey. So walk us through like corporate, that whole journey and how you found yourself with what you're doing today. Sure. Um, Yeah. So I corporate for 17 years, as I mentioned, Um, I'm the first of my family to go to college. And that was very circumstantial because uh, my father was paralyzed from the waist down since I was five and then had terminal lupus and and he passed away when I was 18. But all of that said, uh, there was a lot of adversity in my childhood. And at the same time, going to college was a non-negotiable for me. It was something that I just knew I would do. Mm-hmm. And um, shortly after college, I moved to New York City from from St. Louis where, where I lived and went to school. And New York to me was just a dream. It was just literally since I was tiny, a place that like I was just obsessed with like big mm-hmm. buildings just amazed me. And so living there as a young single person was a lot of fun and yet at times too much fun, right? Because mm-hmm. there was just so much, so much to do whenever you wanted to do it. And about a year into my first role in corporate at Thomson Reuters, I was recruited by Goldman Sachs. Uh, they were a client of mine. Mm-hmm. So here's this girl from poverty, essentially, in right. the middle of America, all of a sudden in New York City, you know, a year and a half in working at the top investment bank. Um, this is back in like 2005. Mm-hmm. And it was almost surreal at times what I saw, the amount of um, psychological pressure that people were under, the amount of extreme competition, the intense culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a lot of that environment was so odd. It was off. It was just right. not anything I'd ever been a part of or imagined even existed. And I lost myself in it. I mean, I, I feel like saying the words, like I sold my soul are yeah. pretty spot on. Um, and, you know, being able to admit that now is really huge because mm-hmm. I couldn't at the time, I didn't know what was happening when it happened. Um, but I slowly and surely became very entangled in uh, the wounded ego side of, of who I am. And that meant, you know, materialism was something that I, that meant something to me at the time, you know, paying $500 for a suit that I couldn't even afford was something that I would do. Um, you know, 
being with the, the, you know, people to just be seen was a really big deal. You know, having um, a small investment in a Hampton share, like that kind of stuff that right. at the time, just all of a sudden became where I focused, you know, it was all mm -hmm. about title and it was about money and chasing and striving. And so lo and behold, six years later, I burned out and had to get the heck out of finance and the heck out of New York City. And um, I had met my now husband, then boyfriend, a few years before that, and we moved to Chicago. And um, I changed my career into uh, actually commercial architecture, something I was just really interested in. Mm -hmm. So I found a lot more of myself then because I had more flexibility. I wasn't around that kind of culture anymore. Yeah. However, I was still managing anxiety. I was still having physiological responses to stress. Um, things like fainting were going on, migraine headaches, still had all that stuff. And so I found mindfulness um, by going to Barnes and Noble about eight years ago and um, looking somewhere in between spirituality and self-help, but I didn't really know where I was. Yeah. And <laughs> I need some of that. Something right? in this so general like, area. This is the section that could be good for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was the one that had gone to therapy quite a bit, right? Yeah. But like, all therapy was to me was like someone to vent to that yeah, was quiet, yeah, yeah, yeah. that didn't know like anything I was talking about. Right. Um, but I was never someone who was going to take medicine for anxiety. Like sure. I didn't believe in that. And so anyways, this book jumped off the shelf. It was called A Buddha Walks Into a Bar by Ladra Rinsler. I recommend it to everyone I meet who's starting out. And that book set me on a journey. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until three years ago that I really woke up. And that awakening came when I had a couple of toddlers, you know, barely a year apart. Um, I was working 50 hours a week still in the corporate world. I was commuting to the city and, you know, an hour each way. Right. Um, my life was just nonstop and mm -hmm. I was the last priority. And I just, I woke up, I mean, literally uh, on a Friday night, I said to my husband, how can this be it? Yeah. And it was from that moment on that, life started to change. It just, it started to shift in ways that are almost um, inex inexplainable or indescribable. But I look back and I see that it all made so much sense. Mm -hmm. So people started to come into my life yep. and opportunities started to come into my life and relationships started to um, thrive and be cultivated in ways that I, I just couldn't even believe. And it was, Truly, I, I know now it was because I stepped into, mm -hmm. um, you know, a connection with my soul. I stepped into wanting to truly know who I am and to do the work on myself so that I can express that in the world. Yes. I love it. I love how so many people's story and journey starts with a book. Yeah. It's so fascinating to Isn't me. That? Yeah. And that's like a very common story of like a book basically jumped off the shelf. I mean, literally, it's like a bright red and, book too. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to link that in the notes. I haven't read that one. I'll have to read it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, literally everyone that I talk to who's like, how can I get started? I'm like, that's, that's a, book. a great book. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So tell us, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are in like a nine to five grinding it out, whatever. 
what at the time when you were in corporate, because you did kind of get on this path while you were still in that world, right? What are some techniques and tools you used to help yourself find more balance? Yeah. Like despite the crazy. Totally. Yeah. I love that question because, um, because you're right. I mean, most of corporate is nine to five and people are um, constantly focused on hyper productivity. Mm -hmm. You know, how can I do more, be more, show more, um, live up to expectations, et cetera. And, and I know what it's like because I did it for a long time. So what happened for me is after that awakening moment a few years ago that I described, um, I started to uh, meditate a lot more and I had already been into meditation, however, not as a practice. So I really developed a practice and it took time and it took patience. Um, But what happened is that I got so into that practice of meditation, whether it was five times a week or seven times a week, doesn't really matter because what it became was a part of my lifestyle. It literally Mm -hmm. became something that I needed, like I needed water and exercise. And it was a non-negotiable, like I would not give up meditation so that I could go and drink with my friends. So a lot of it had to do with sacrifice. Sacrifice is the biggest thing that I can say about really wanting to change our lives and really wanting to grow personally and, um, you know, and to focus on our inner awareness, like the way to do that, to build that connection to yourself sacrifice. You know, you don't go to happy hour three nights a week. Maybe you go one night a week, but those other two, you're reading or you're journaling or you're meditating. So those were some practices that I, that I, you know, incorporated. And then another thing I would say is that as I started to do a lot of this work, the external environment that I was in, in corporate, just started to become way less noisy. Like Mm -hmm. it started to bother me a lot less. Whereas certain egotistical people or certain uh, competitive uh, scenarios used to really get the best of me and drag me down to a point Mm -hmm. of self-sabotage. It just all of a sudden didn't have a stronghold like over me anymore. And I just had more awareness of it. And yet I could keep myself, um, you know, emotionally, you know, not entangled in it. You weren't like reactive. Yes. Way less reactive. I think that's big too. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it goes down to like energy and quantum physics. Like if you're not vibrating in that place anymore, you literally like don't even see it. It's so true. You know, and some of the, um, some of the people that I was closer to in my last corporate role in that office really observed my change, my shift over Mm -hmm. time. And they would ask me about it. And the way that I would describe it is similar to what you just said, except for I wouldn't use the word quantum because sometimes that, that could be scary. Or like what? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, after a couple of drinks, I would trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I would describe it to them as in like, you know, I'm not, I don't believe that I am better than anyone around here. I don't think that I am better. It's just that I choose to not engage with mm. Mm-hmm. those types of discussions any longer. Yes. I no longer engage in gossip because it doesn't serve me nor the people that are engaged in it, nor those that are being talked about. And so I just don't do it. Yeah. You know? And I think that that can have its perceptions, right? Because I certainly yeah. became more isolated. Mm-hmm. I self-isolated, right? I chose that, which actually isn't truly isolation. It's more solitude. Yeah. 
I was going to say it's, it's not even isolation. I feel like sometimes has like a negative connotation, but it's like making your space sacred. Yes. Like I'm not going to allow that in my space or in my energy. And I feel like when you emanate that, then the gossipers or the whatever egotistical people don't even like attempt to engage in that with you. So true. So true. And so, yeah. And I mean, you know, a part of, a part of shifting in this way that we're talking about has to do with ridding your life of uh, dead weight, right? And things that are no longer serving you and people that are no longer serving you. Mm-hmm. So what I had realized is I don't need to be engaging in these kinds of conversations with these kinds of people, you know? Yeah. Not, not that everyone's bad by no means. I mean, I actually loved corporate and I did so well in it for many, many, many years. And the mm-hmm. only reason I'm doing what I do now is because I figured out this is my purpose and I have to right. do it. Totally. But there's so many good people in corporate. There are a lot of bad people, but you just have to figure out who fits in your life and why. Yeah, for sure. Because mm-hmm. I think this is such an important conversation because it's not for everyone nor everyone's purpose to branch out and do their own thing and be a consultant and a coach, right? Right. We like need people in the corporate world to do that work. And so to have these tools and practices that, you know, you can thrive and have a great, you know, group of people and also be in that world. Like I think a lot of people, especially my generation, I don't know if you see this, feel like it has to be either or. Yeah. Either sell your soul to the devil and are incorporate and are miserable or you're like an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like there's I, no way to have, you know, both. Yeah. And I so don't agree with that. I mean, my career in the corporate world, the last few years I was in it, as I had been through the journey of inner work, which by the way, is never done. Like I, I'm in, in my mm-hmm. inner work every day, mm-hmm. but when I was shifting and changing in that way, and I was still in my corporate role, I was more successful than I'd ever been. Mm. I found so much success. And the reason being, because I had so much more of a connection to me. I had so much more confidence in myself. I had, mm-hmm. I had worked on you know, some of my shadows and some of the darker sides of me that used to uh, be the one that was reactionary or be the one that was in survival mode mm-hmm. and the one that was, you know, self-sabotaging. I worked on those parts of me. So I wasn't doing those things as much to myself right. any longer. And my whole perception changed, you know, and I think that that's the important thing is that, no, you don't have to be, you know, sell your soul to the devil and be in corporate or an entrepreneur. You can be in corporate and have a very gratifying, fulfilling life and find meaning in your work. Yep. It is all about perception, but yes. you have to change yourself first in order to change your perception. Yeah. Yeah. And no title or perfect company or perfect job or benefits or whatever is going to give you that either. No, I always say you know, the, the grass isn't always greener. Sometimes it's just as brown. Totally. <laughs> you just moved hills, but it's the same shade of grass. Right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, cause so many times the issue or problem or resistance comes from yourself. Right. So. Yes. yes. You know, and I am the first to say like the struggles I had, particularly in my twenties in the corporate world. Um, sure. I worked for some really bad people. Um, some, I had some really terrible uh, toxic bosses, 
which didn't help any of it. But a lot of what was going on for me, um, you know, physiologically and, you know, from a stress and an anxiety perspective, a lot of that was brought on. Totally. And it was me not taking care of myself. I think that's probably everyone's story from their 20s. Let's be real. (laughs) You're a toxic disaster and that's what you're attracting. Totally. And then all of a sudden you snap out of it for whatever reason. Right. Like, why did I do that? Let's be honest. 20s, you know, everyone's got to go through it. Um, Okay. So I love how you touched on you were like more successful. Do you have any other examples of people, people you've known, people you've worked with that have like embraced mindfulness and well being and it's helped like elevate their career? Yeah. I mean, you know what? Most of my inner circle now is Mm -hmm. people that have found this and have done this work. And it, it just so happens to work out that way where, um, again, like we kind of start to find our people and, and gravitate towards one another Mm -hmm. and a topic of conversation on mindfulness or on, you know, living as, you know, your true self and being more authentic in your expression. Mm -hmm. Like that's the kind of stuff that then lights you up in conversations. Whereas it used to be like, yes, whatever, you know, when you're single, like talking about guys or then like talking about the latest restaurant, yeah, like surface level conversation doesn't really do anything for me anymore. Right. Now that said, um, yeah, guys, we were just at dinner, Aaron and I and our husbands, and we like talked about astrology the whole time, just so you know, <laughs> while the guys talked about sports. So it's perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but one person that comes to mind in particular, this, this woman, Carla, I've gotten to know she's in Toronto. Uh, it's just like miraculous. It's like, I, I know a guy who's an entrepreneur in Chicago who introduces me to his sister that had just moved to Chicago, call it 18 months ago. She's quite a bit younger, lovely soul. Um, her and I have coffee together within a month. I get an email from her introducing me to Carla and -hmm. she's just like, I don't really know why the two of you should meet, but I just really feel that you should meet. Yeah. So Carla and I have a chat. She's also an entrepreneur. She um, was a former uh, marketing executive with Ford and had, you know, started a company and sold it for quite a bit of money and then, and then was starting her, her next one. And she was like, Hey, I'm going to be in Chicago in a few months. I'd love to meet in person. Mm -hmm. And my whole point to her was like, Hey, let me know how I can help you as you're looking to market to, you know, tech companies here. Um, So her and I spend dinner and then two hours afterwards together and had like the deepest conversation about our journeys, about mindfulness, about meditation, about really connecting to ourselves and building and cultivating that relationship within and kind of everything we'd uncovered. And, you know, just a really deep conversation. We had no clue that's what was going to happen for the two of us. Like, right. Absolutely not. But here, you know, she had been in corporate for most of her career. I had been in corporate for most of mine. We had both gone on this journey while in corporate. Mm-hmm. She is still in corporate. She just has her own company, but all her clients are corporate. And, and what I do, I'm, I now have my own business and mm-hmm. I do completely different work than she does, but I still serve as corporate too. Right. And yeah. so it's so interesting to me how we can have these commonalities or these common threads and these deep connections and yet we all have our purpose in, you know, in the world yeah, and totally. in our modes of work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Now, you're, let's say you're working with a company on bringing mindfulness and, you know, et cetera, to their business, to their like day to day with their employees. What are some of your favorite ways to bring that in? Like yeah. from a company, for example, that's starting with scratch, they don't really do wellness stuff. Yeah. So most of what I do is um, from a mindfulness perspective, I will do broad speaking engagements where I will present, you know, content to people that I've curated, but mm -hmm. I do it in a way that's, that's experiential. So I'm talking vulnerably about how these things can be applied because I share experiences that I had in the corporate world and how mm -hmm. things could be different. Right. Yes. So that's a piece of it. And then I will walk people through uh, certain tools. And so, I mean, for example, an emotional awareness tool, which is, you know, the, the emotion that you have is actually the same as everyone else. It just is perceived differently mm -hmm. based on your experiences in life, right? based on your mindset, your outlook, right? And so I'll explain to people uh, emotion in a very uh, layman's term way, and then, you know, teach them, for example, that emotions just want to be acknowledged. And so mm -hmm. if you acknowledge it, you're actually giving yourself a pause or a moment to be present with it, which mm -hmm. is a mindfulness activity. Um, but that said, majority of the work that I'm doing with companies, uh, with teams, is I'm consulting with teams on well-being overall, mental and emotional well-being, mm -hmm. and how can they become more self-empowered? How can they become uh, the leaders, you know, develop their leadership skills from an innate place, not from a, I go to a training and here's what I learned and then I right. apply it, right? Like actually going inward in order to do this. Um, and then from a, I, I have workshops that I do on very progressive concepts. So I call it like emotional intelligence 2.0. It's not the mm -hmm. stuff from the nineties that was yeah. written in those yeah. books way back when it's it's more progressive. You know, it is doing things like talking about the wounded ego and the healthy ego mm -hmm. and talking about the heart space and how to access that. And where is our center? Um, talking about energy and, you know, energy and motion. And mm -hmm. a lot of these concepts that are not ever taught in corporate and haven't been, they have not yep. been taught in our systems at all. Right. And yet it's time for human beings. Yes. No ethnicity, no demographic, no gender, human beings yes. to know more about this. Yes. And how powerful if like every leader used that yeah. and like led from that place. Right. Well, here's, here's what I really think about that, Abby, is like the number of executives I know that have done some sort of introspective uh, learning or mm -hmm. journey, or they've been to some sort of retreat. It is, I mean, more so than not, they've done this, yeah. but why not the rest of the people? Yep. Because it hasn't been accessible. Well, yep. like I'm calling bullshit on that one. And it's time that we make these investments yep. in our people in this way. hundred yeah. percent that that should just be like guaranteed part of like development in this company. Right. Is that work? Definitely. And I, I do think like, especially with younger companies, that's becoming more common. I mean, even just an awareness around, we want our employees to be mentally, you know, and emotionally and even like health 
like they're prioritizing that more with more days off, more flexibility with being able to be home, more benefits in like the wellness space, more, you know, open concept where people can move around. Like I do think it's trending that way, but certainly could be a lot more. I totally agree. And I think that, um, you know, it used to be that health uh, benefits programs and building amenities and some sort of a fitness stipend or having a fitness center Uh in an office building. Um, And then who has the coolest office? Like those were like the ways to incentivize talent and uh, ways to, you know, retain and attract talent. Well, what I'm talking to most leaders about today is that sure those things existed you can kind of take the coolest office out now because like no one who cares now right (laughs) Right. um and also like the building amenities because no one's there but and those things may come back but what we have to take into consideration now is the mental and emotional side of our people and we have to start to build out um incentives and programs that that show people show Mm -hmm. you know prospective employees and, and existing employees that we know what we've all just lived through and we care and we want to show you how much we care. We're going to invest in your self-improvement and yep. in your personal development, which by the way, all of that greatly impacts performance, yes. greatly impacts communication, greatly impacts relationships and, and trust yep. and empathy. Yep. Um, and so the companies that get this sooner than later in my perspective are going to be considered most innovative and will be those that are that are certainly successful going forward Mm -hmm. and I think the ones that are going to lag it and it's going to take them a while to to understand they need to make this investment you know they're they're going to be more behind at least from a a a talent perspective for sure I mean imagine like a new graduate out of college or grad school or whatever and some companies like, great, as part of our package, you get this many mental health days, you will set you up with a career coach, you get right. like monthly mindfulness workshops, blah, right. blah. I mean, they're right. like, okay. Yeah. Or like we have this, uh, this program, we put all of our new hires through. Yeah. Every uh, year you go on a leadership or, retreat or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you get 5,000 a year for coaching or you get 5,000 a year for a retreat, like whatever. But like to, to offer that to people is certainly the way, the way forward. Yeah. And they would, the employees would never want to leave then. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I've like, talked with people about this in like the corporate wellness space too, of like providing yeah. services, like chiropractic, like counseling, yeah. like whatever. Right. It's a no brainer. And I think it's been a really slow roll, but I think especially after 2020, I companies are going to have to look at it even, I mean, from the mental health perspective alone. I could not agree with you more, you know, like the employee assistance hotline is like not where it's at and it never was. Right. I mean, right. right. Thank you for trying, but right. like, you know, mental health it should have never been something that's so right. like, you know, such a stigma um, because now everyone sees that like, Oh, it doesn't like, we're all going through like mental yep. health problems because yep. there's so much change so rapidly that it's not easy for human beings to adapt to this. And so we need other tools, you know, that are more accessible. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the other interesting thing from, from like the, the corporate angle is I think the bigger the companies, the harder it is to do this because they're like, well, who do we do it with first and where do we, 
where do we focus those dollars and when, right? Right. And like my point to those, to those leaders is like, don't be so narrow-minded. Just pick a place and do it and see right. what the outcomes are, you know, right. like totally let the change happen that is positive and let it impact your organization. Right. And it's certainly out. not going to hurt. Exactly. <laughs> like you got to start somewhere. Yeah. It doesn't right. have to be so like siloed and, you know, right. totally. So, yeah. Now I'd love for our listeners to hear from you. What is your current daily or weekly like mindfulness routine? What do you do? Yeah, I have kind of various ones that I do. And um, it just depends on my mood, to be honest. But um, for sure, daily meditation. And uh, I mean, some days it's like 15 to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And other days it's an hour. It just, again, depends on my mood and and schedule and things like that. But I tend to like to meditate in the mornings if possible. Um, Mm -hmm. So if I get up early before my kids are awake, then I do it then. If not, then I do it... um, like when they're at school, which they are. So when they were home, it was a little harder, but I totally found my ways. But um, I've always loved guided meditation. A lot of my meditations now are in silence, but for people that aren't used to meditating or are trying to get into it in some sort of a a cadence or a practice, um, Insight Timer is amazing. It Mm -hmm. is by far the best app out there for meditation in my, in my eyes. I love it too. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, you can pick your topic. So do you want to focus on, you know, stress relief or do you want to focus on loving kindness and what have you, then you can pick time. So do you have zero to five minutes or six to 10, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And you can also pick, do you want music or a male voice or a female voice? Like it's amazing. Um, So that's fantastic. So that one for sure. I journal after I meditate, um, not every time, but probably three to, to five days a week. Mm-hmm. And I love journaling because when you come out of a meditation, you're just more, uh, you're more calm and more at peace with yourself and with your situation. And so just getting whatever's in your head on paper mm-hmm. is really helpful. And a lot of times I find that like, I write more from my heart when I journal. Mm-hmm. And so if I just need a journal because like there's too much in my head and I just need to get stuff out, the tone of that person versus like when I come out of meditation. (laughs) Two different people. It literally is. Like it's almost, like it's astonishing how different they are. Right. Um, But that's actually really cool to see. So I think that's a great mindfulness activity that, you know, anyone, no matter where they are in their journey can, can do, Mm -hmm. you know, right from the head and then right from the heart and see the differences. Um, and then my emotional awareness techniques, again, like acknowledging an emotion. So when I feel frustrated at my kids or, um, I feel overwhelmed with the amount of work in my business or whatever, I feel stressed out because I'm not going to get, you know, I'm not going to get to go run like I wanted to. Yep. Um, just noticing those emotions and then, uh, actually feeling them. And, you know, we'd be surprised how many people don't want to feel. Yeah. Or don't know how to feel. I was going to say, or they never learned how. Right. And, and I used to be that person. So I know what that's like to just want to numb it or squelch it or project it to make it go away. Um, but, but the more that we call the emotion for what it is and just acknowledge it and just say frustration, I know you're here. Anger, I know you're here. You know, and talk to ourselves in that way that is more embracing the emotion and, mm-hmm. um, and allowing it to be present with us Mm -hmm. 
we're actually pausing in that moment because it's taking us time yep. in order to talk to ourselves in that way. Um, and I think it was Jill Bolte Taylor who uh, wrote my stroke of insight. I don't know if you've ever read that. It's, it's fantastic. It's uh, it's also a, uh, a Ted talk. So it's kind of okay. like a clip cool. note in the Ted talk. Yeah. Um, but she, she said that, you know, any emotion only lasts for 90 seconds. So if you think about that, like a minute and a half, Wow! if you just acknowledge it and you just right. embrace it and just allow it to be there, it's going to leave pretty quickly. Yeah. Right. So that's Instead a, of fighting against it. And resistance. Yeah. Resistance yeah. is like the more that we try to squelch it and, you know, act like it's not there, the more it's just going to boil and, mm. and stick to you, you know? Totally. I want to pivot for a second and ask you, I'm sure a lot of our listeners and myself have younger children. How do you bring this stuff in with your boys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so guided meditation on insight timer is amazing for kids mm-hmm. because their attention spans are like tiny. Yeah. Um, so I'll do like a five minute um, guided meditation. And those are usually very visual for kids. Mm-hmm. So certainly being visual with children. So they're picturing clouds and, yeah. uh, you know, they're picturing rainbows and things like that. I also do, um, I call it color therapy, but I don't think it's really color therapy. Uh, but whenever, for example, my kindergartner is, he's the more uh, rambunctious one in the family. Uh-huh. Whenever he is getting like super flustered and angry, like you can literally see it, like his fight or flight response, he gets like red in the face. Like yeah. it all rushes to his head. And so I kind of let him have his moment. And then I'm like, what are you feeling and where are you feeling it? Right. And he's just like, I'm mad, you know? And right, I'm like, right. where do you feel that in your body? And he'll just kind of say everywhere. And I'm like, well, your head looks like it's pretty red. You feel pressure in your head. <laughs> like your head's about to explode. Let's be honest. <laughs> are you feeling okay? You know? um, so, and so literally, and he'll be like, yeah, I feel it in my head. And I'm like, what color is it? Yeah. And he'll say, like, he literally always, always, almost always says black. Wow. And so I'm like, okay, well, so water is a very soothing property mm-hmm. for everybody. Um, but it's very easy for children to envision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is sun. So whichever one I feel like choosing, I'll say, let's picture the sun just, you know, embracing and, and putting its arms around all of that blackness, all of that dark stuff that you see, it's going to go away because the sun's going to burn it away. Or I'll say, we're going to picture beautiful blue water, like Lake Michigan, yeah. just running all through that blackness. And it's just all gone. It's at the bottom of the ocean, you know, mm-hmm. like things like that. Yeah. And it, it's amazing how much it soothes and just like reinvigorate them. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually learned that one from a friend, um, a couple of years ago and I didn't use it for a while. I just, I don't know what it was. I just didn't really feel like it was going to work. And then I started Mm -hmm. to use it more and more and it really, it really does work. I don't always remember to use it like in the moment, you know, because I'm human. Um, but when I do, I'm really happy that I did. I love that. Well, and I think it's so important from a young age to teach kids, like you're saying, to it's okay to feel what you're feeling, name it, connect to where you feel it. Like just how powerful that is that your boys will know that from the time they're so, like, we're having to undo this with adults. Like 
literally teach adults how to identify emotions. I mean, literally. I like, mean, I didn't feel like I was 30, 36 years old. Right. Like, that's crazy, right? I feel like a lot of people know. I see this with patients a lot with the emotional work I do. It's like a lot of men, they know like angry and sad. Yeah. Those are literally the two emotions that they know. Yeah. Yeah. And, but once you talk through it, they're like, oh, I'm actually annoyed or I actually feel shame or, you know, you can go deeper, but it's so interesting. So it's such a powerful tool for kids. Yeah, I know. And I love like, I mean, my children have, you know, they're both boys, but they have different crystals that I've gotten them. Um, Mm -hmm. I have crystals for meditation and, and it's so cute because they'll be like, mom, can we do a meditation? And they'll like, you know, look, they'll go like crisscross applesauce and they like sit down yeah. and cross their legs and say that. Aww. And then they like hold a crystal in their hands. <laughs> I love it. And I'm like, I can't wait till you actually will sit and meditate with me, but it's, it's going to yeah. be a while, you know, totally. um, but yeah, they'll like do it for a while and then they'll get like teenagery and think it's yeah. dumb and then they'll embrace it again. <laughs> but it is amazing what sponges children are, you know, and how much they do just learn from their parents, you know, yeah, just and from watching without you eating. Literally either. like they're a blank slate. They're, they're a completely clear mind and it's what we put in it, you know? Yes. And, um, and I see that so much with nutrition, which you and I have talked a lot about and, and how, you know, like I made all their baby food up until mm-hmm. they were like a year and a half. Like I just, everything was like, you know, it was like steamed vegetables or, you know, very lean meat, right. and like all that kind of stuff until they started to eat everything that we eat. Mm-hmm. But like I send like broccoli and hummus in their lunches, you know? Right. Totally. And, and like, sometimes the teachers are like, I can't believe your kids eat this. And I'm like, it's because whatever yeah. you give them is they what eat what you they give them. them. Yeah. It's like not that hard. I know. Yeah. And I it always like drives me nuts. Them. I yeah. explain to them how important vegetables are. And I'm like, you know, we eat a lot of vegetables and we eat a lot of fruits and we drink a lot of water because like, that's what feeds our body the most. Mm-hmm. The rest of the stuff can be fun and whatever, but like, what we really need is all of these things. Yeah. And if we have enough of those, we can have the treats. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So tell me what are some of your recommended resources? We talked about a, a couple books, but any other must haves for people that want to start this mindfulness journey, whether it's books or blogs or podcasts? Yeah. So, um, I mean, this is going to sound kind of funny, but I've always loved, um, Oprah's podcast, like the, yeah. like the inspiring, uplifting stories, I think do a lot for, our souls, like hearing other people's, uh, like heroes journeys, for example, and how they came from, like I shared, like from adversity to like, you know, loving their life. Like, you know, that can be really helpful because most people think that they're the only one that's experienced hardship. And I beg to differ because I think every human being has experienced hardship in some way, shape or form. You know, whether it came from an external environment or it was something that happened to them um, or it's something they're going through now, like we all have that in common and it's how we get through it. And so I I love inspiring stories. Um, Another book that I really recommend as people get into a journey, but in particularly a a journey of um, self-work is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And that's so good. And it's a doozy. 
Oh my gosh. It, you read it like two it. pages and your eyes are like looking two different directions. Literally. And I think That's I've good. probably read, like a Buddha walks into a bar, I probably read like 10 times and like yeah. took like a gazillion notes in it. And Untethered Soul equally as many. Yeah. Um, and I still go back to that book, even though I read it like three and a half years ago. Right. Um, and it's profound. And so it's not one to start with. But certainly as you, as you get into the practice, um, a great one, um, from a blog perspective, I mean, my blog's really good. Totally. <laughs> yeah, it's, for uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, I have to share that writing is actually how my authentic expression started It's how I discovered my purpose. And so I always knew I liked to write, but in my corporate years, writing became something I only did in business. So I always got like, Aaron's a great verbal and written communicator on my reviews. And, right. but I wasn't writing about stuff I wanted to write about. I was right. writing, you know, what I had to. And right. so when I started my journey going back almost four years ago, I started to write about topics in the workplace that are affecting professionals and how they're affecting people and why, and what we can do about it and how I've changed certain things in my life to shift my perception. And it was the writing that I was sharing on LinkedIn at the time that led to uh, being asked to, to speak at companies publicly. So I was being asked to do town halls and lunch and learns and monthly meetings. And as I would go into these companies to speak, I would get this surge of energy through me that I never had felt before. And that's how I discovered that there's way more to this than just like synchronicity and just being asked to do this. Like, this is my calling. This is absolutely my calling. Yeah. And so it, I mean, and then it took a while, right? Like I probably, I probably talked at 30 to 40 companies in the course of two years before I was like, I'm going to do this for a living, you know? So I didn't just wake up one day, January of 2020 and say, I'm going to start a company. Yeah. It was way different than that. And it was, it was coming for a long time. It was just a matter of when I decided to actually launch and, mm-hmm. and really go out on my own and make the leap. But, um, which is actually, by the way, something I have to just add, the timing was pretty crazy because yep. <laughs> I corporate in, well, I resigned in mid-Jan and I left yeah. in mid-Jan. Yeah. So I already knew that leaders and executives and people in general needed to focus on this side of human beings. I already yeah. knew that. Yeah. And then you throw in COVID and it's like been put on blast. Right. Totally. And now everyone's like, we need to address mental health. Here's Aaron. All right. <laughs> oh goodness. It's perfect timing. So from a future perspective, you know, with all of your experience, where do you see well-being in the where in the workplace going? Yeah. I mean, I for sure see that we'll continue to be a a virtual world in the sense that we can offer so many programs virtually, right? Like it used to be, um, like I talked about the executives that have been on these retreats, like you would physically go somewhere like to a different, you know, city or country in order to have this kind of experience. Now I still believe in retreats because I, I just love them for totally. you know, the and in person is totally different, but this Absolutely. makes it so much more accessible. Like Absolutely. But I think, yeah. And I think virtually we can offer people so many programs that focus on various aspects of well-being. So 
I don't think that's going anywhere. It's going to be even, uh, it's going to get even bigger and companies will be able to say, we're going to have, you know, this coach, or we're going to have this trainer, or we're going to have this yep. program as part of our internet. I mean, they'll start to incorporate this stuff. Um, I see that our, you know, our, like our focus on the physical being will continue as well, you know, but it's like, rather than having the, the greatest snacks in the office, it's going to be like, yeah. how, can we, how can we share more information with you that will inspire and empower you? Yeah. And so, it's got to go deeper than snacks now. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and appealing to people in a yes. different way at like on a deeper level. Yes. And, you know, I'm writing an article right now about the human spirit in the workplace and how that's been neglected because we've all shown up historically as a fraction of who we really are. You know, we've shown up as a body Mm -hmm. and we've shown up as an intellect, you know, a mind. And so the body functions and the mind thinks and, you know, together they do. Right. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, we're missing such a big part. And I think business can be so much more successful if everyone is actually connecting as a spirit. Yeah. I mean, that's how I saw my business become so successful because all the relationships that I was building, the clients that I was serving, I connected with all of them in a truly authentic way, like spirit to spirit. Like it was not, I didn't say it like that, but that's what was happening. Yep. Totally. So a lot, there'll be a lot more focus on that in the future. Yeah, for sure. And so tell me, where can our listeners find you, your website on social media? How can they keep in touch or reach out if they want to work with you? Sure. So website is erincoop.com and coop is Mm -hmm. C-O-U-P-E. And on Instagram and Facebook, I am at authentically EC. And then Instagram under my name, Aaron Coop, or, or the business, but I put a lot more out under my name on LinkedIn. Um, and then, you know, I have various programs I'm curating for the public. And so just be on alert for those. I'll have posts on all social media. Um, I have a, a seminar I'm doing, a one-hour webinar actually, on October 21st on directing your thoughts and directing your mindset. So stay tuned for that. It'll be at 12 o'clock that day. Um, And then some programs I'm doing for women executives um, that'll start in probably January or February of next year. So stay tuned. Nice. So exciting. So yeah, guys, we will link to all of Erin's stuff so you can stay in the loop on what she's doing and share with people who need the amazing work she does. Thank you. All right, Erin, it was so lovely to talk to you. I can't wait to share this with everyone. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. So happy to be here. Yeah. The statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the FDA. Information provided here and products recommended or sold on coffeewiththedocs.com and or our podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information provided by this site and or by this podcast is not a substitute for a face-to-face consultation with your physician and should not be construed as medical advice of any sort. By using any of this information or reading it, you are accepting responsibility for your own health 
and Health Decisions and expressly release Dr. Nicole Huffman and Dr. Abby Kramer and its partners and guests from any and all liability whatsoever, including that arising from negligence.